When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods and Viking Heads. Check out Phoenix Rods at phoenixrods.com or check them out at Phoenix Rods on Instagram. Check out Viking Heads at vikingheads.com on the interweb or check them out at Viking Head Bait Co. on Instagram. I don't even know what the website is. I'm an idiot. But I should know because we're restocking, I think, uh, this month with a lot of things. So you guys will be able to grab some stuff off of there finally. Um, today's episode is with Billy Egan. Billy talks about the upcoming one bass for, uh, I think, the last two events this year. Also, upcoming next year, they're adding another event. So he talks about that. Uh, gives his thoughts on the whole Wild West uh, situation. And also tells us a story. He said it before, but he said it again. Uh, back before... Uh, the whole musky thing happened where those guys got caught or whatever, the walleye with the weights in their belly. Billy experienced that firsthand out of one bass event, his very first one. He talks about it. Uh, someone had weights in the belly, so it's a crazy story. Um, thanks again, Billy, for coming on. Check out one bass. He will be at the toy drive this, uh, this year. One, they'll have a booth. Um, check out... Did restocks on Melton's performance and Eric's tackle will have them available by next week. Uh, they'll have some uh, Viking heads there as well. Um, also, this Thursday will be an episode with Trevor Weeks. It's uh, Real Tweaks. Great episode about real maintenance. You guys will want to hear it. And uh, that's about it. Oh, the toy drive. Everything will be announced this week. I'll have the full flyer up full lineup um <clears throat> everything that's going on also this month's patreon sponsor is 86 baits so i got all the baits together from uh the uh, last month uh working class zeros month i had they shipped them out so i shipped those out and then uh se will be shipping those out to you the winners i'll announce them tonight um this month is sponsored by 86 baits three andromedas if you want a chance at one all you got to do is sign up for the patreon Link is in the bio of the Instagram. If not, go to Cast and Crank Podcast Patreon. Um, that's about it, guys. Just uh, moving forward. I'm going to get some salt captains on uh, the next couple of weeks since uh, the weather's changing a little. Hopefully, it's I don't know if it's slowing down or not, but they should come on. They usually do in the wintertime, so it'll be fun. And uh, that's about it. Thanks for listening. Give us a five-star review if you can. I appreciate it. All right, welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today, we have a return guest. Billy was probably like the first 50 
people like I had on the podcast for 50 episodes. It was, uh, I, I'm not sure, but it, it was a long time ago, around five years now. So it's cool to get Billy back on. We run into him a lot and he does some cool stuff. How's it going, Billy? Good. How are you? It's good to be back on the show. Yeah. It has been a while. I remember yeah. we talked about swim baits and everything. And kind Yeah, of that's what... another thing people don't know is, you You know, <laughs> we talked about your bait came up and the wraps and stuff came up a couple times on the episode. And you have some history in swim baits, if you guys didn't know, Billy. What was the bait you made again? Uh, it's called the Sonaga. Okay. It was a uh, topwater twitch rip trout bait. Uh, yeah. And then some other baits, a clone, which is a couple different things. But then... Kids came along and that the shelf over there. Actually, I've got somebody working on the Sonaga right now, catting it. So oh no way! I'm working on possibly bringing it back. So that's cool, and it, and the history is cool because you. I mean, how long ago was that when you? That doing was it? back in 2006, 2007 when Gosh, I was making those. Almost baits. 20 years ago. Dude. Yeah, when big baits <laughs> were just really hitting the scene. Yeah, you knew a lot about it. Were you? Who were you talking to then when you were fishing the big bait? Well, I met a guy named Tim Eves that was a. Uh, uh, really into swim baits at least for orange county and he introduced me to it and then you know just being the type of person i am i got to know uh jeremy anderson with black dog and just about everybody you know nate's baits uh yeah. matt servant down yeah. there making matt's lures and everybody i got to know everybody and you know there's a few that didn't like me either because <laughs> i happened to use a certain uh hinge on a bait that was similar to another one but isn't that so weird uh it's so long ago but that was early drama there's always drama in fishing but I feel like even nowadays, if you, uh, if someone makes a bait, like even the, the grown works of Berkeley thing is horrible. The, the, you seen the grown works oh, yes. I, and it sucks, but it's kind of like, what do you do? Like, there's nothing you can do. And it's like this, if people come out with like, say, um, say an underspin and coolly kind of grab the market on that. Right. But there was an underspin before that, that looked like that, you yeah. know, and it's not like it's the first, but you made it popular. How about that? And if you made it popular, it makes it you or the guy almost. It's called you know? sweat equity, I yeah. guess, but nobody pays you for sweat equity. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's the industry. I mean, uh, you can't, how many times can you make a fish a fish a fish? Exactly. And, you know, crankbait doesn't look like a fish, but it bites things. It doesn't, either does a sp spinnerbait, but uh -huh. um, it's just what sells. And, you know, uh, it's a, you're never going to start progress. People yeah. are always going to figure out a way to make something either better or different or similar, but branding is everything. You know, if you can get the customers to buy it, that's, that's the main goal, you know, which goes hand in hand with what I do with the tournaments and events. You know, if you can produce a product that, uh, that works well is proven, uh, does what it's going to uh, say it's going to do and provides the prizes and, and sponsorship programs that it says it's going to, then it's going to be successful. And fortunately for me now going into next year will be my 15th year Damn. working with Western outdoor news, um, running Juan bass, running all the freshwater tournaments for Western outdoor news. Now the Cabo tuna jackpot yeah, right. in, in Cabo, uh, which has been a dream of mine to, to run that as well. <clears throat> There's some great events that I'm involved with. And part of it is selling a package to the customers and, uh, uh, using our platform to get the sponsorships to then uh, brand them and show their products to our end users, the readers of our paper mm -hmm. and the uh, customers at our, our events. Um, we've had uh, Basscat Boats and Mercury Motors, our title sponsors for a number of years for mm -hmm. Wombass. And we've had a couple events this year already at the Wombass level, a Mojave Open, Clear Lake Open, which was phenomenal. It's always good to go to Clear Lake. Yeah. Fishing is uh, is really good up there. It's not 
you know, I've been up there a couple of times. It's not like it was years ago. The big fish, unfortunately, a lot of them perished when uh, there was some weeding going on up there. <laughs> yeah. Excessive <laughs> weeding, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, but the population there now is there's uh, probably a lot, tons of four pound uh, fat, healthy fish that within a few years when they realized that they should be eating hitch instead of chasing the shad that mm -hmm. they currently have right now that they'll get a little bit bigger. So it's funny. I'm talking to people up there like Paul Bailey, mm -hmm. you get educated a little bit on certain different bodies of water. It's like there's thousands and thousands of hitch, but if they don't haven't seen those bigger bass that are now gone, eat the hitch, then they don't know, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm supposed to be doing that too. You know, it's kind of <laughs> weird, but uh, doing what I do, I love to, to meet, individuals that i'm involved with whether it's freshwater saltwater i just got back from sedros outdoors my awesome. uh, outdoor adventures it was first trip to sedros been wanting to go there for 14 years what were your big fish from the trip i actually broke my personal best with a 40 pound yellowtail on uh, live bait no way we got some really good fish on uh, surface irons yo-yo <laughs> was ridiculous really? uh, i was throwing the new uh, afco um blade okay uh, metal blade basically the the katy perry color and catching <laughs> fish left and right and guys were catching them on p p line jigs uh-huh yo-yo there was some white sea bass caught some dorado it was an awesome trip it was a dream come true <coughs> that's nice dude yeah i'm sure it was a lot four of days of bliss you know <laughs> you, you fly in you get out of the van they feed you you get on a boat you catch fish come back they feed you you wake up you repeat for two days solid you know you get a half day the first day two f full days and then another uh fourth day if you've got the muster and the energy to still go right. I, I didn't i decided to rest up. oh did you i'd caught enough <laughs> fish my fingers were sore my arms were sore yeah. i couldn't you know i'd already gotten a 40 pound yellow tail i'm like you guys go out and have a good time is there beach fishing could you walk on the beach and fish actually there? yeah uh at Sedros outdoor adventures where we stayed you're right on the cliff and they have a walk away down to the the beach that they're on it's a big pebble beach uh -huh. but one of the guys that i went with tim eves actually uh -huh. went on this trip uh we reconnected after years and it was great to fish with him out at Sedros. but uh he walked the shore in the final day and caught a halibut and a couple oh, uh, calico right yeah. right from the shoreline you know, with a you know, soft bait and a jig, yeah. jig head. So you can pretty much catch fish anywhere. Yeah. You don't have to go real far at Cedros. Uh, the, the hot spot was south, just uh, south towards uh, the center of uh, um, one of the other islands. I can't think of the not, not Tividad mm -hmm. out there. And then the wind kind of picked up while we were there from the residual that hurricane going on yeah right so we had to tuck in the north end and caught a bunch of uh yellowtail and uh calico calico is a little slow from what i've heard okay but we still caught a bunch nice nothing huge but it was fun as hell oh we yeah trolling live mackerel <laughs> and i'm throwing you know along the shoreline while the two guys are on the back watching the rods i'm chucking a iron across <laughs> as far as i can to the shore and catching a yellowtail here and there or calico every other cast yeah. and watching them in clear water blow up on the bait it's 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 awesome sight fishing like almost pretty much you know yeah <laughs> like I, was, I was able to take 11 guys that signed up for a trip and it looks like next year's trip is already sold out at this no point way. so Congrats, might have a couple spots available but um the guys that went pretty much were like hell yeah i'm going again yeah get at billy man if you guys want to go do that huh? yeah hit me up because <laughs> if i don't have a wait list soon we will yeah but uh, 
Uh, we've got the U.S. Open coming up. First, Our first event coming up right now is a long 16-year uh, event we've done at Big Bear Lake, the Trout Fest, okay. which is a weekend family event up there. How does that uh, work? It's uh, October, I think it's the 7th and 8th. We're up there. It's a two-day tournament. It's a total weight event for two days. So basically, you sign up for the event, uh, $75 adults, $50 for kids. You get a goodie bag full of uh, sponsor product. You get a hat. Uh, you get a wristband, and so you go out and fish. We have a big fish overall prize for the biggest fish of the event, but you go out for five fish, you weigh your five fish, so after two days of fishing, the heaviest two-day total in an adult male, adult female, junior male, junior female, under okay. 15, four categories. We got trophies for the top five. Nice. And then prizes, and then at the end, we raffle off a Klamath aluminum 15-foot oh, nice, boat dude. with a Suzuki motor on it worth about 20 grand nice. which you didn't have to catch fish at all you're so just you get. can just enter that's the... a general raffle okay you enter the tournament come up for a weekend maybe make a couple casts otherwise mm -hmm. you go to dinner have lunch do some hiking show up at the award show and you can win a boat nice so lots of fun stuff you can do it from a rental boat kayak shore come up and enjoy big bear uh stay at a cabin up there or, or stay at a camping area mm -hmm. Fish for two days. You fish basically Saturday from 7 a.m. till you have to weigh in at 4 o'clock at the Big Bear Marina. Um, then Sunday, fishing starts at 7. You have to weigh in by 1 o'clock so that we can get the awards and everything ready to go at 3.30. Mm -hmm. There, uh, we have a big stage, music. You know, you come down, we do a little uh, barbecue for everybody. Nice. We raffle off a bunch of great stuff from our sponsors. Uh, we do a blind bogey, so $5 every out of every entry goes into pool and we do 10 random weights each day oh nice the closest to without going over wins that divided by 20 oh cool. you know for the money that's brought in yeah and then we give 15 dollars out of every entry back to big bear to stock the lake so it's wow, a fun what event. a positive supports event big bear. Well, supports yeah. uh you know the the economy up there and yeah. the fishery and the water district and the city so it's a fun event and then the very next week i get to go to the 41st anniversary u.s open Wow. Out at Lake Mojave. Uh, it's sponsored by uh, Visit Laughlin. Who Laughlin won last Tourist year? Commission. Uh, last year. Um, who won it last year? Gosh. Why Todd almost won it, right? Todd Klein almost won it. Josh Bertrand won it okay. last year. There you go. Uh, Josh Bertrand's a national pro from Arizona. Yeah, I had him on. He's a talented, great dude. Talented yeah. guy. Really Check nice. out his podcast. I think it's Angler's Happy Hour. It's a, it's a good one. I like listening to that I've one. been on that one as yeah, well. It's yeah. a great one. Josh is a great guy. So we're back at Lake Mojave. Uh, Laughlin, uh, the hotel partners out there have done a mm -hmm. lot to help us with the event when we had to move it from Lake Mead because of the water levels. This will be the second year we've done it now at Lake Mead. Mm -hmm. or, I'm sorry, Lake Mojave uh, at Catherine's Landing. It's a beautiful facility. That's my, fav my favorite landing to go on. We stay at the hotels with my buddy for every birthday, and I'll drag my boat up there, and then I'll go fish. You know, like It's oh, so fun. It's, 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 to run an event, it's the perfect <laughs> layout, and, yeah. and they help out a lot. They're, yeah. they're very helpful with the event. So is uh, Laughlin and the you know, Visit Laughlin group. All the hotels have <clears throat> that, mm -hmm. um, which is, is key to, to everything because without the locales, you can't have the events. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you okay there, lady? No, you know what I just thought about? I forgot to turn off the water. Oh, it's fine. It's, it's not, it's no, not it's even. Good, it's it's fine. Overflow. Oh, okay. <laughs>
That was good. Nobody got to see that. But that was My good. wife walked right into the screen. It was good. The Viking walked into the screen. It was great. So, yeah. So, the U.S. Opens, the October 16th, 17th, 18th. The cool thing for your listeners about this year's U.S. Open, we started something last year. We always did a sponsor's row before the U.S. Open because the day before the tournament is an off-limits off day. Mm-hmm. So, we either finalize registrations and have the opportunity for all the sponsors to have a booth and gift the angler something whether nice. it's a product or an item that happens to be branded by them to you know so the anglers get to meet them all talk to them find out about their products well with laughlin they have a, a place called the edge pavilion now it's an indoor concert hall basically mm-hmm. a big tent and so it's the perfect facility for this so we created the expo where we made it a little bit bigger the sponsors get a little bit more room they can sell some products we invite the general public to now come nice. meet all the sponsors, meet all the national pros that are coming, like Gary Klein, uh, Rick Clun, Brett Height, Josh Bertrand, uh, Spencer Sheffield, uh, all these guys that are coming, let alone the Hall of Fame induction that we're doing for our second uh, group of uh, Hall of Fame inductees. We nice. uh, inducted five guys last year. We're inducting another five guys there. So Do you already have the guys that are getting? They already know. Okay. We've picked them. Um, we picked uh, for this year Aaron Martins, okay. obviously, because uh, last year his family was uh, at an induction at Bass mm-hmm. for him. So this year we waited to do Aaron Martins so the family can be there. Nice. We've got Pat Donahoe, who's also passed uh, from uh, Lake Mead area. He, okay. was in, he won the U.S. Open one year, and he was very influential in uh, desert fishing okay. for a lot of anglers out west. Um, so he got inducted as well. And Fred Ward, which is another angler that's supported Juan Bass in Western Circuits for many, many years, done really well through the years and was integral in introducing a lot of baits mm-hmm. uh, to the market in the early days. Uh, you've got John Murray, uh, who's two-time U.S. Open yeah. winner, uh, supported the event for years. Byron Velvick, which oh, is wow. all part yeah. of the Rat Pack back yeah. in the day. So the Aaron Martins. John Murray, Bell, Byron Velvick will all be there. They'll be inducted, and uh, we're looking forward to that. We've, I, we even hear that Skeet Reese might come to the event oh, because wow. they're being inducted. Yeah. He's one of the original Rat Pack guys. Mike Iaconelli has threatened to come out and fish this event. <laughs> uh, he told me at uh, the Classic that he yeah. was hoping to come on out, and so we're, we're still hoping that works out. Yeah. But we're not sure if his schedule is going to allow it, but he's fished it in the past. But nice. Plus all your local Western sticks. Oh, you got a ton of guys, right? There's over 170 already signed up and confirmed. Um, We're looking to close it out at 200. We got a couple weeks left for registration to go. And I know there's a good number of guys that are going to be signing up that haven't just yet. Um, And then, geez, right after the U.S. Open, we're rolling into the uh, 25th anniversary Cabo Tuna jackpot. You're busy. So, yeah, I, I, (laughs) I finished... The U.S. Open the 19th. I leave on the 25th for Cabo, and uh-huh. I'm there until the 7th of November running the Cabo Tuna Jackpot. 150 to 170 boats. Oh, that's a lot. We paid out uh, nearly $2 million last year in our payouts. Um, it's the largest tuna tournament in the world, yeah. and it's it's easiest one to get involved with if people wanted to because your general entry into the tournament for the top three biggest fish is only 1000 bucks. That's good. So for your week stay, your charter boat, you're looking at splitting somewhere around uh, thirty five hundred dollars, depending on all the options. You yeah, can, you can go in for a thousand bucks. You can go into fifty thousand yeah. bucks. Yeah, 
depends on how many pools you want to jump in and how much you want to flex your muscles. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of money to be won, but there's a lot of fun. Yeah. And you don't have to go after just tuna because we got Dorado option and Oahu option. So there's a lot of small boats involved in the tournament and uh, compete in those divisions. And mm-hmm. we say uh, the, the, the saying is, fish hard party harder Cabo tuna jackpot so <laughs> but we've got a website Cabo tuna jackpot if people are interested in looking at it yeah uh, for the family come down too. we have a start boat by coast every morning you get to go out on a big catamaran double decker boat we do the shotgun launch okay you get to watch all the boats come by show that's the, super show cool the i've seen videos of that yeah man. watch 160 boats just fan out <laughs> and go after some fish and then the winds happen they're right there in uh, Cabo marina for two days and then so all the restaurants benefit and every it's a, it's a good time. It's great. What uh when's the next uh, tournament? Is it Shasta's going to be next? For one bass, no, we've got the US Open coming okay. up and then we've got the remake of the Arizona Open cuz okay. we we had it scheduled for February oh, yeah. this year and we had to unfortunately cancel the three days cuz we got blown out. Okay. Uh the first day was terrible, the second day was pretty bad, but the third day it would have been fishable, but at that point you can't predict it and it was a call we made for mm-hmm. safety purposes and uh uh we're remaking that tournament november 10th 11th and 12th which is a friday saturday sunday mm-hmm. normally we do our tournaments wednesday thursday friday because there's less boat traffic and it's easier for the hotels and stuff to get people in during the week than it is to battle the weekend traffic yeah. so but this one's a, a weekend tournament for the remake of the az open we didn't get to do and no did in so Arizona. did does a weight count for uh Say that first day they weighed in. No, we never actually had a day. Okay, so we never got to do a day that of of the AZ Open in February. So it's a scratch. We're redoing it in November because it's all part of our point system. Mm -hmm. We've got a ten thousand dollar prize for the Angler of the Year on the pro side. That's for this year's point system. So that's the last tournament of the year then. So technically, it'll be the last tournament. Typically, the U.S. Open is the wrap up because that's the last event of the year. The points end there. We Mm -hmm. crown uh, not only a champion of the U.S. Open, but we crown a points champion. Oh, so this changes the game because you still have games. So now you now you have to come back to the Arizona Open November which is a lot of people are excited about where is that at located at uh it's going to be lake havasu out of uh, riviera marina which is a new marina out at lake havasu i don't know if anybody's heard about it but it's an awesome all-in-one marina um they've got uh, actuaries out front to protect the marina they got a store they're gonna have a restaurant it's it's a cool place so we're looking forward to having that event uh and november is known as a pretty good time to fish Havasu, you know, yeah. uh, the pressure of, of the summer stuff is over. You're out there kind of by yourself. And so this could change the game for the whole series because you yes. got Arizona guys that might do well or say they don't do as good this tournament coming up. You know, they still have that chance. They have the chance yeah. to do real well by going into November. And, you know, we had originally, I think, a hundred and almost 150 boats signed up for the original February. We'll probably get around that same number is what I'm hoping for the November date. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some people that there – there are people that shoot for the points, and then there's people that just want attend the events yeah. because they want to win it, because they want to be around everybody and be part of the event. They can't miss the event. Yeah, I always tell people if you ever fish a Wombass event once, you'll fish as many as you can because it will be the funnest time you ever have. Yeah. You know, and th- there are times where you're fishing, it's grueling, but the shared weight format, which we do, is unique among anybody out here. Explain that, that in, case, in case someone doesn't understand. So there's other organizations. Obviously, there's uh, MLF that does events. There's Wombass that does events. And then there's team events and other organizations that do tournaments. 
most of the pro level tournaments have a pro and an amateur the pro being somebody that can pay the higher entry and has a boat that's uh, within our parameters of a tournament boat to fish out of mm-hmm. an amateur is somebody that may own a boat but doesn't feel confident enough to use his own boat for the tournament so we pair every uh pro with an amateur and we pair them set differently for three days everybody fishes all three days for our events currently um doesn't matter how you're doing in the tournament mm-hmm. everybody fishes three days because we have money up for big fish and big stringers each day it's part of the payouts um but when we pair a co with a pro, you basically, for that day, you go out and fish as a team together. So the best five fish you guys combined bring in, as opposed to the pro fishing the front of the boat for his best five, five fish and the amateur fishing for his best five fish out of the back. Well, obviously, the pro is going to have better boat position most yeah. of the day, so it's tougher in a non-shared weight format for amateurs to catch five fish where ours create a more fun environment when the co-angler happens to hook a fish and the pro nets the fish, they're, they're high-fiving. They're <laughs> hugging because they're helping each other. Yeah. And there are instances where co-anglers happen to catch the more than biggest the, yeah, fish yeah. out of all the fish that are caught. But more often than not, the pros are bringing in the bulk of the fish and the co-anglers are there to help net the fish. And, and by all means, you know, I get questions all the time, well, what can a co do? What can a, a pro do? Well, a co-angler can pretty much do anything that the pro asks him to do on that boat that mm-hmm. day. Uh, a, a so when they say driving ask, the boat, so if they go, "Hey, we're we're uh, fishing jerk baits, fishing pick jerk up baits. a jerk bait, we're gonna throw it right now." Can you go up on the trolling motor? Okay. I want to go to that point. I'm gonna rig up something okay. real quick. Just go ahead and start fishing. Okay, they can do that. Okay, so they can take over the trolling motor. Typically, they so don't. So it's almost like this is a little more could be learning like a very good like if you're like on the edge of going man i don't know if i want to fish tournaments if i want to do something serious on the edge if you have thought about fishing tournaments even if you own a boat or don't own a boat mm-hmm. the amateur side of our tournaments are, are the way to start out you get your feet wet because you're gonna fish with three separate pros boaters who fish who have some knowledge you're not going to always get the you know top 10 pro yeah of course you're going to get somebody who's like yourself that decided hey i'm going to step up this year and fish because that's what the amateur side of tournament fishing is about that's a graduation step Mm -hmm. to become a a boater the pointy end guy you know Mm -hmm. the guy who's in charge of the destiny for that boat because a lot of amateurs that'll come out and they'll fish and they'll spend a couple, a year or two fishing with on the amateur side, learning from those pros, going to those pros spots, watching those pros set up and how they it's fish. It's almost like things. if you're going to pay for like a guide trip, it's like you almost could learn just as much with some you of these guys. Get, you, know? you couldn't pay the same amount <laughs> and get three days right? of knowledge yeah, yeah. Uh, guiding because it would cost you that entry fee three times. Yes. Um, it's a great way to learn. And then eventually why we do all of this is that person steps up and goes, yeah, I want a bass cap boat with a mercury motor. I want to be a pro next year. Who's, who's someone that you've seen, uh, go from that, like put their feet wet all the way to like, maybe even you got young more. guys like Hayden Metz who's sponsored by Phoenix rods. Uh-huh. One of your sponsors, uh, he st- he's been fishing tournaments. He, me, even my trout tournaments with his family for years when okay. he was younger, he's, <laughs> he's still the, the only guy that's ever come to a trout tournament with live fish, weigh them and then release them. <laughs> Cause he's very, doesn't want to kill he him. Conser- yeah, yeah. He's very, you know, 
cares about our resources and the fish but uh-huh. even at the trout fest up at big bear he would do that now he's turned into an adult he went from the amateur side he's got a boat he's now fishing pro side mm. his family supports him nice he supports himself through his sponsorships there's a lot of guys that have you know uh fish the amateur side i get a question hey well you know with your circuit i feel really confident on clear lake and i'd like to go as a pro at clear lake but uh, on the other lakes i'd like to go as an amateur can i switch yeah okay okay <clears throat> we don't have a rule that says you can't switch back and forth we don't have a rule that says your boat you've sold your boat and you don't have a boat and you still want to be involved but if you're a big time winner and you shouldn't be going co and <laughs> learning from these guys we they don't ask yeah they those type guys don't say hey can i go be an amateur yeah you know very often there, there's some guys that are typically pros but sometimes they don't but if you want to be competitive for the points race and for the prizes that are put up by our sponsors you have to commit to one side or the other mm-hmm. you know you can't flip-flop because the points don't flip-flop yeah makes sense and, and it, that does you know eventually you're going to be wanting to be on that point end consistently because then you're in more control of your destiny if you will mm-hmm. um during that event because winning events doesn't it's not all about just fishing it's about making good decisions consistently for three consecutive days based on our format mm-hmm. and uh you end up doing that and that's how you end up getting on top. Yeah. There are people who have gotten lucky where their amateur caught a big fish and it contributed greatly to, to that situation. Um, but you know, it balances out a lot. Yeah. What is your, uh, next year? You said you're adding a tournament. How's it changing up? Yeah. With one bass, we we've, uh, added another event because, uh, I've been wanting to do it for years. I was looking at doing it up in Washington at potholes. I went mm-hmm. and looked at it at that, territory uh last year and it just wasn't feasible because of the distance and expenses to try and get out there and run an event so um we've had four events the last couple of years with support from our sponsors bass cap boats and mercury motors and we haven't been able to have technically two events in the north and and even two events in the south with the u.s open to have a, an even opportunity for guys in the south as there is in the north because currently with our numbers there's more south guys and there is a, coming to the one north event yes. than there are north guys coming to the south events and so in order to get them invested we had to come up come up with another event in the north so that they would two have two in their backyard two and two and then yeah. choose based on what we're still working on for next year or, or how it all works but the theory is is if you live up north and you fish the two north and you fish at least one of the other southern events plus the u.s open then you're in in competition for the points for the prize for what what carrot we put at the end of the year which mm-hmm. we're still working on we got some great opportunities coming up nice so uh, we can't really talk about but uh-huh. working on some things been working on them for years this is now going to be my 15th year i mean this is your baby huh? bass. yeah <laughs> I, i'm very passionate about Wombass bass and about the events and the sponsors and the people that are involved because it's it's a family it's an extended family. Yeah. Even the events, the Western Outdoor News events, the Trout Fest, the Striper Derby. I've been seeing these people 14 years in a row now. You, They consistently attend these events and you get to know them and you get invited to go dove hunting with certain people. They offer their homes. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's like just, It's just open arms, you know. It's like the same thing with the podcast with me. It's like I see like Caesar and Butch and all these guys. It's like. Like buddies, it's not even fishing. Like they'll go, hey, let's go eat, or right. let's, you know, it's more like you're friends with these dudes, you know, like 
and it's uh, it's cool to make those relationships with people. You know, you'd be yeah. like. So back Man. to your question, yeah. Shasta. Like Shasta uh-huh. is the addition for 2024. Okay. So we used to run uh, events down there when we used to do teams and and stuff as well as programs way back in the day. Um, I hadn't run a, an event at Shasta, I think, in over 10, maybe 11 years. Okay. So it had been a while. So I actually drove up north just a couple of days ago to go visit Lake Shasta, meet with uh, uh, the people up there um, at the hotels, at the marina, uh, Bridge Bay Marina. They've got a great facility up there. They're willing to help us out in every way they can. I familiarized myself with the layout, where the tournament truck would be, where we're going to do the weigh-ins, how we'll do the inspections and the boats and all that stuff so that going into the event, I kind of already have a game plan uh, put together because going in blind sometimes is... Oh, I bet, you, man. <laughs> you don't you know, think of something and yeah. it costs you time, mm-hmm. you know, which you don't have a lot of time because when you do these things, we do live broadcasts from every event. There's lots of components involved with running these events, yeah. working with the uh, the place that was going to allow you to hold the event the marina the launch ramp the city you know the hotels um all the due diligence ahead of time let alone the entry entries and taking the entries and waiver forms and you name it it's oh, I bet consistently it's a <laughs> over and over and this in the questions you get yeah from the guys who don't look at the website <laughs> that has the information on it that I got a simple question okay you know as I get older I get more with my response look on the website it's on the website. But, uh, you know, I love these guys, and yeah. a lot of them become my friends. So, yeah, Shasta is a new one. Uh, then we're going to we're gonna start that okay. <clears throat> early next year, February 31st, January 1st, or February 1st and February 2nd. Okay. Three-day event. It's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday event up there. Um, and right after the Shasta event, we'll have a break because that's trade show season. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, got all the events to go to for Western Outdoor News. And then March is the classic, plus some other events, you know, trade shows that we have to do. So we take a little time off in the end of February and March, and then we come back to April again for Clear Lake, which we've had Clear Lake now 11 years, and it's had some different times throughout the year. It started in June for three years, which is great, but it was tough because it was too hot on the fish. And uh, the resource is important, and we don't want to, to... take a chance of having fish die Dying, more more fish than necessary you know there's there's a small window of what the dft will allow and we we want to be way below that it's got to be the i heard the, up there the weigh-ins have to be like before a certain time because they'll die or well something, right? in california uh there's a rule by the department of fish and game that protects the resources the fish during september 15th to or sorry june 15th to september 15th uh tournaments Outside of that time zone can have uh, an eight-hour period before you weigh your fish. So you can launch a boat at 7 o'clock, but you have to weigh them in by, by 3 o'clock. Okay. Okay, or start weighing them in by 3 mm-hmm. o'clock at the, sh- at the longest period of time. And then with tournaments, you have flights, so each one gets a little longer. But as long as that general first period is eight hours, then... June 15th to September 15th, they say you can only do it for six hours. And it oh, has okay. to do with oxygen level yeah, in, that's in, what the, I in heard. the tanks based on the temperature of the waters during that time. So, you know, who's to say when if you launch at 7 o'clock and a guy catches a fish within the first 15 minutes and that fish is in the live well for all six hours that it's going to or not going to survive. It, mm-hmm. It's based on fish care, 
You know, yeah. you got to be running your circulation pumps. You got to be running your aerators. You got to be making there's fresh water in there. If you need to cool it down, put your, you know, uh, for us, it's SureLife as a product. That yeah, that's what I say. Do you kind of try to make everyone make sure you put that additive in? Just- we try to educate our anglers as much as we can. There's enough information out there on the internet and YouTube and people that know what they're doing that have explained it. And we, we point the guys in the right direction. You know, Lake Mojave coming up in, mm-hmm. in October. Last year it was 100 degrees in October. It was supposed to be cooler. So there were fish that were suffering and guys didn't know that they needed to uh, fizz their fish, especially smallmouth. And if they're not willing to fizz their fish, use a belly weight clip, mm-hmm. you know, so that it helps the fish stay vertical in the tank so that it can either self-embolize, if that's even possible. I'm not sure if it is mm-hmm. because in, in order to deflate the air that. bladder, yeah. you either have to fizz them or you have to put them in a container, which will lower them to a depth that will allow that air to expel, Yeah, um, which we designed for the U.S. Open specifically. We I called the tuna guys that build a huge tuna oh pens. no you had one made i had it. a pen made for oh, the us open nice. it's a thousand gallon when was pen. that when did you have that done i implemented it last year at the us open because we have a live release boat that takes fish out but the national parks in the uh, uh arizona and nevada fishing game are obviously concerned about their resources and they w- wanted us to have two release boats and you can't even find another release boat, let alone <laughs> pay for one to come out from wherever you might find How big are the one. release boats? So release, release boats usually have about 500 plus gallons of okay. holdable water, and they'll, they'll hold a couple hundred fish, two to 300 fish, depending on the boat. Um, and they're all equipped with oxygenators. They're equipped with O2 okay. and uh, filters and so forth. They use lake water to fill them up, and they basically, different models, you know, you'll, you'll fill the tanks up with all the boats that are coming through. Um, they'll take them out once they get to a capacity in a certain part of the lake, open up the bottom of the tank, and the fish will swim out. And so then they'll come back and they'll start over. In the meantime, the 1,000-gallon fish pan I've got, which is 10 by 10 by 10, will hold those fish that are coming in while the boat's gone and let them reacclimate in, okay. the, in the lake itself. Nice. Yeah. If they need to be uh, taken care of or right there with a net to put the weights on them so that they're taken care of or fizz them if need be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got volunteers that are doing I'm like, that. how good are you fizzing now? <laughs> well, you know, I, it's, a lot of people have, even Arizona and Nevada, see it differently, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so you, you have to walk a, a fine line because – Lake Mojave's bordered on each. So you have to deal with both. And they're easy to work with, but they have certain rules per the permit that you have to follow. And um, we had an Arizona fishing game card come out with us for the first two days. I think it was the U.S. Open on the release boat to view what we do. Nice. And told our guy why he fizzing the fish. And we're like, well, we were told we needed the fish. Well, we don't really believe in fizz- fizzing the fish. Oh, and then, then the sh- other show, me, show me that other way that you do it. Oh, you want me to drop him down in the milk? Crate. Then, it's basically an upside down milk yeah. crate with weights on it and a rope. You put the fish in it, you flip it, and drop them down to a desired depth. You know, most of the fish at Mead or at Mojave will be caught somewhere between thirty and sometimes deeper, but mostly thirty. You ever feet. try the the uh, rockfish things? That's too heavy. Rockfish. They have those clips on the rockfish where you just yank it up. Yes. And, okay. Some people actually put a oversized egg weight. Yeah. On a rope. Yeah. Put it in the fish's belly drop it down and pull it out and then yank on the rope and the weight slides out the throat. Okay. Yeah. There are ways to do it. And the live release boat people do utilize those things when necessary for okay. certain fish. 
Um, but uh, uh, we, yeah, that's a major part of it, what we do. And uh, uh, the events benefit from that. Well, it's cool to hear like the fish care, like you don't get to hear this from a lot of tournament directors like oh this is what we're doing to take care of the fish like you're really thinking right. about it you know what i'm saying by having a pen built stuff like that you know yeah we, we we spent the money and called the tuna pen people they built it for us we i showed it to the arizona nevada people the idea the theory uh they bought into it it worked real well uh once <laughs> once we you know kind of uh cleaned up how things were done because you know there are some fish that die in tournaments yeah of course. and anglers can weigh that dead fish we have rules about what's a deduction on that? well uh typically uh prior to last year's us open um the the weight per fish was point uh two okay. so it's two tenths of a, a a pound was deducted for a dead fish um you're allowed to weigh in dead fish but during the time you're fishing for those eight hours that you're out there if a fish dies in your live well during that time you can't replace that dead fish oh wow you keep it that you sucks. you weigh it you get the penalty for the yeah. dead fish you're not allowed to release a cull a dead fish yeah replacing a live fish with a dead fish you can replace a live fish with a live fish mm -hmm. but once you have a fish die it's stuck in your live well and then typically what happens is they'll weigh their fish we'll take possession of those fish and then we have to deal with those random dead fish fillet them put, put them in an ice chest fillet them uh um, good smallmouth I don't know. I don't. I don't eat them. The dead. You ever ate a dead I've one? I've never eaten them. I've I've donated dead fish to really? shelters and so forth, but at the same time, you have to. Me personally, I, I look at these fish, and here's where the solution came, and I say that fish looks like it's been dead for eight hours. The eyes are gold. The gills are white. The skin is discolored. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't eat that fish. Okay. So what do you do with that fish? You can't fillet it. You're not going to give it to a homeless guy to eat. Mm -hmm. What do you do with that fish? So. Basically, what we've done because of the permits and what you need to do with fish is we came up with a policy that if a fish dies during a tournament, once you weigh it in, it is your possession. We will not take possession of dead fish anymore. Hey, it makes you as an it easier, are right? allowed yeah. to kill five dead fish a day yeah. legally, but not during a tournament. But they know it might happen. Mm -hmm. If you kill a fish, you take that fish. Because you were stuck whether with how many it, sometimes. Whether you eat it, whether you dispose of it, it's not on property. It's somewhere else. And it's not a trash can where people just throw it in. It starts stinking. Yes. We've, we've had every situation happen in the book. And we make rules and adjustments throughout the years so that that stuff doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, so that communities are happy with us coming in with these big events. You know, because... Like Mojave, was a, it was a gem. People really didn't go out there. There's yeah. guys that fish mead and have us all the time. And they're like, nah, I've never been to Mojave. I don't know why I've never been to Mojave, but I've never been to Mojave. That are now seeing the potential of Mojave. I mean, the fish there are double the size of Lake Mead. Yeah. You know, big small mouth, big large mouth, just like Havasu. Uh, it's come alive. And, you know, the facilities are unbelievable. It can mm -hmm. get hot, really hot out there. <laughs> you know, yeah, you have to yeah. pick and choose your time of year of yeah. going out there. And there's a lot of pleasure boats. And there's a good striper population yeah. up there. You can go all the way up the river to, uh, what's it called? Uh, can't think of it right now. Um, the hot, big striper spot everybody go willow willow beach yeah you can go all the way from Catherine's landing to willow beach no if you way i didn't to. know that yeah oh wow it's that's where the mojave starts is right okay. after lake mead and the in the dam there all the way down to the dam at laughlin okay you can even fish bass 
below the the dam at Laughlin. You can strip fish striper below there. There's plenty of uh, launch ramps right there in Laughlin, okay. so you can fish both sides, like Mojave or Laughlin. And again, all the hotels are fish friendly, so you just have to talk to them when you're making your reservations, and they'll figure it out for you to get charging if nice. you need it, so forth. And uh, you know, it's. Uh, 2024 is looking great. We've got some great opportunities coming up. We're looking at every opportunity and, and sponsors to try and make things bigger and better. My goal is to eventually have not only the two in the north, two in the south, but two in the northwest. That'd be cool. Maybe Washington, Idaho, and maybe something in New Mexico. So your your end goal is to make it like the premier west. I want to make west. One thing I want to do and, and continue to try to do is unite the, the West with the East, if you will, with the big dogs out there because our Western guys don't have as many opportunities to go back and fish whatever platform it is back mm -hmm. East to be on that national level of fishing because you either have to move or you have to give up a lot yeah. to do it. Family, yeah. you know, time with your family, uh, a job that you may have, uh, stability you know to chase that dream so no matter what i'm working on in the future it's a lot of it has to do with uniting somehow the west with the east and come out with a way that we can all benefit from what we do which is sell product sell yeah. a, sell a dream sell sell uh outdoor adventures you know get people in boats get people outside get people fishing and buying products and going to the retailers and doing all that that's all part of this whole thing mm -hmm. and giving people a platform to help them do what they love to do whether it's professional bass fishing or just tournaments in general fishing yeah. with their buddy or their father or their brother you know getting out there and exposing the sponsors to their products that's cool so this this would be the next question i have for you is you saw the whole wild west apex thing happen and you did you go to the western bass shootout I wasn't able to go to that because we had another event that was right on top of it. So Brad uh, Van Zaller, general manager, was able to go to the Western Bass Shootout. And I think I saw Brad. I met Brad there. Yeah, I think. He, he was represented really nice us out there. Yeah. Um, I had a previous tournament that was already scheduled. Uh, I think it was the Lake Kuyamaka trout okay. cast that we had down there because uh, Wild West dates were never really confirmed and had to kind of continue the show, you know. Mm -hmm. And so Brad went up there and di did that. It was, um, you know, we had the same sponsor, Basscat Boats and Merc or Mercury. More importantly, Basscat that's done a lot for the West, done a lot for Wombass through yes. the years, supported uh, ABA, supported Wild West as well. And first and foremost, I want to say no matter what happened with Wild West, Basscat did a big effort and put a lot forth to put that opportunity out for those mm -hmm. guys, which we have a lot of crossover. A lot of those guys fish our events. Yeah, you know? of course. Um, when they, they pick and choose what events they can based on what fits best their schedule, but there's a lot of crossover. A lot of the guys that fished Wild West when it came out, you know, first it was Gary Dobbins who brought it out, and then somehow Jeremy DeHart took over Wild West and the interests of Wild West and started growing it. And you know, as organization, you basically you work with those around you because one of the first things that happened when I came into this was I got bombarded with a few key people in the industry and said, if you don't figure out how to work with people, this will never work, yeah. you know? And that's been the biggest battle for years is there's always going to be other organizations out there and it's, it's how you guys work together to 
make it work if if you can you know some people can and can't work with yeah. others um my opinion of wild west was it was uh, just another organization that was trying to take a little piece of the pie that was out there every everybody sees the opportunity of what's going out there yes there are you can make money in bass fishing but you have to be able to do it right you have to have a company or something else supporting it like the publication company that we have without western outdoor news there would be no one bass mm -hmm. Without a platform to talk about wombass, there wouldn't be wombass, and that's been a seven-year-old family, you know, tradition that Western Outdoor News and wombass now for four, over forty years have ridden each other's coattails and, and relied on each other mm -hmm. to to do that. Without something supporting that, you can't go out and do what you need to do because you need to have the sponsorships. You need to be able to support, or even the promotion as the well. Promotion, I feel like the, the platform. Yeah. yeah, you've got social media, and that's a big part of it these days i don't days. think it works as well as you think no. it does anymore. ground roots has always worked yeah. people talking to other people about the experience that they had the time that they had and the fairness they were treated with and and you know having a good time harvey naslin when he was running one bass when he turned it over to me in 2010 he said provide these guys a show make them want to come back and give them what they paid for mm -hmm. you know it's very simple you know, so my, my job has been to give, give the guys a show and every year it gets a little bit bigger, a little bit better, mm -hmm. a little bit more involvement from sponsors. The expo for the US Open's grown. It's something I'm proud of nice. being a part of. Um, all the events, uh, we do the best we can to expose the brands, the locale, and uh, the people fishing the event because that's what they want. The anglers need mm -hmm. the support as well. Their publication through social media to expose them to, to brands so that they can make their journey a little bit easier as well. Yeah. Because with you know with this economy, it's tough. Gas yeah. prices. Right. You know. Six dollars. We know that. That's why our entry fees <laughs> yeah. haven't changed in years. It's yeah. like as soon as you think about yeah, but then they can win more. But I think our threshold's pretty good with what's going yeah. on. You know, we're, we have great success. We've been yeah. selling out events for years. We've had the highest turnouts at all events. I've got records at each lake i've been to for the highest boat nice. counts lake nice. havasu clear lake lake mead other than a team tournament way back in the day that had more more boats but you know i like breaking records but i like providing a good service a good product to my customers and my sponsors yeah and that's that's what first and foremost how do you think would would it would someone that's going to take over move forward? How do you think a, a positive way to move forward from this would be like the Wild real, West stuff? Yeah, if they're going to well, take over, like, like Bam. I know Bam's going to take over. A lot like, of people think that Bam is taking over what they did mm -hmm. or picking up the pieces. Mark Lesane was a part of Apex, was yeah. part of Wild West. He's one of the early eight people uh, that were in a room with me and Basscat back at the early conception of this. That they announced at the U.S. Open. Yeah, they used the U.S. Open platform to announce the wild west and the relationship between bass cat and them and we played in the sandbox well together yeah you know we it, we supported the sponsor during through their endeavors did i wish that they had put more effort into Juan bass than they did wild west of course yeah of, of course because yeah. we've been around a lot longer we've we've run events forever we've come across every situation there is in yeah. the book and know how to make the right call at the right time uh for the integrity of the event and the 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 people you know their wild west did it did a good thing for the anglers trying to expose the anglers and and them as 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 anglers which we all try to do what you could see i mean even like over the last five years i've 
gotten more into the tournament thing, you could see how they did that and made the little star point, like the little. Post. I was never shy of telling people I had skeptic skepticism of it the whole time. Yeah, that I, I've been around this fifteen years, almost fifteen years yeah. now. I've seen people come and go. There's been many, many tournament organizations that I competed against that are gone and have never come back. And there are reasons for that. There's always reasons, mm -hmm. but my job is to make sure there's no reasons on my side of the fence for ever having something like that happen, having anglers not getting paid at tournaments, having decisions made at events that shouldn't have been made in that way mm -hmm. and not having those decisions come out in the general public. We, yeah. ha we have to be above board on all this stuff. And, and there were certain things that the fishing industry is a small industry. There's rumors flying everywhere. There were things that I know that happen at events that should not have happened behind closed doors. And when you get a group of people who are invested in something, it's a lot easier to keep those things. So was that ran by a board? It, I, I don't know the specifics. Okay. I'm not going to get into yeah. the specifics. There were a lot of angler-based uh, help. Okay. You know, and, and I rely on anglers sometimes yes. to run yeah. things by. There's people that I look to for insight, although the decisions come from me. Me and the general management. If they if we don't agree, we wait until we do, and then we come out with something. And it's it's made by a company, and and myself and the benefit of the company and the anglers and the sponsors. You know, so Wild West was something that came out and offered the anglers something that they they wanted. They kind of there was a niche for it. it showed us all that there was something to learn from that, which is always the name of the game. If you're not learning, you're not adapting, mm -hmm. then you're failing. You know, so it showed us some good things. It, it had quirky things, non-disclosures, things that secret, you know, everybody's talked about secret society, but <laughs> there, were, yeah. there were things that I think happened that nobody would have allowed anybody else to do mm -hmm. in those same cir circumstances. We would have been, you know, put to the hill. Yeah, yeah, know, and yeah. Deservedly so, but be above board, make sure even if, Bam, Mark was saying, do it for the right reasons. Like you say you're going to do it and come out with a strong um, or, you know, platform. And at the end of the year, provide what you say you're going to provide, just yeah. like everybody else's goal is, what our goal is, and to use our partnerships to make the biggest and the best events we can and support those brands and the anglers. Yeah, it was it, it was a bummer because I I mean it was cool the event the Wild West or the Western Bass Shootout I just feel like it could have been really really cool you know like the, the Wayne's it was it the Wayne's were concept. cool the, the I watched them I sat there it would have been cool if there's more people there well everybody can say after a first event it could have been done a little bit better yeah this yeah. could have been done Devin. and again I've been doing this 14 years every yeah. one of my events I tweak something every of year course. the anger is like okay what are you going to tweak this year. Because you learn something, and you, if you figure out how to do it a little bit smoother, a little bit better, that benefits everybody, then mm -hmm. implement it by all means. Um, and, and I'm not knocking them. I'm not knocking the anglers. It was just something different, and it wasn't sustainable the, the way that they were trying Presented to sustain it. it. Yeah. You know, and it's unfortunate for the anglers that haven't gotten paid. It's unfortunate for the sponsors that got behind something like that. Yeah. It's unfortunate for the person behind the scenes that I'm assuming is still trying to figure things out and work things out. We don't know a lot and I don't speculate, but you know, there's been some anglers that have been paid a portion of their money back. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been sponsors who've stepped in and said, Hey, how can we make these guys whole? You know, we'd like to be a part of that and help you. <clears throat> but 
it's a delicate situation. <clears throat> Time will tell. And the, the biggest thing is the customers are the ones who are in charge. Yeah. Where they put their support is where things will grow and succeed. Yeah. No, it makes complete sense. And it's cool to hear from you because, like, like you said, you've been doing this on the West Coast. You're like the person, the primary person that's been doing this for a long time and made a successful tournament right. series. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's really cool. I have another. Uh, you said this story before, but I thought it was a cool story because everyone saw the um, the musky tournament where the guy cut the weights open, uh, and it got real popular. Well, Billy witnessed that ten years ago, or however long ago that was, right? Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. So he yeah. saw it happen. Uh, we won't say the guy's name because I don't need to bring his name back up. But you could, could you tell us the story again? What happened? Yeah, it's probably well, by hands down, it's probably the most influential story that I, that's happened to me ever <laughs> in this whole adventure. Yeah, and it's been a great adventure. There's been lots of interesting things happen. I could go on for days with <laughs> stories, but then you got to tell who it is and, yeah you know. exactly so just like i had mentioned earlier harvey naslin was the predecessor for for me anyways there was another guy pr- prior to harvey but harvey had come back to kind of put the pieces together after uh, another guy had left and i was helping run the western outdoor news events and i really wanted to be involved in the wombass events so i went to them and kind of learned under harvey for a couple events and he put on a night that I'll always remember, a tribute to the legends, where some big names came out. This is back when uh, uh, ICAST was in Vegas every other year. Okay. And so we had the event in July, which was miserable hot, you know, <laughs> which is kind of the, the roots of the U.S. Open itself is miserable hot weather. But uh, it was my first U.S. Open. That was a Friday night. We had finished the tribute to the legends, and Harvey looked at me and said, hey, the U.S. Open's all yours. And I'm like, what? I'd never run a tournament myself and he was suffering from brain cancer and was really exhausted from this, this event we put together. And I said, okay, uh, I'll do it. He goes, well, you've got what it takes. Just go be you. And, uh, gave me a couple more insights, but for the most part, went to the U S open Lake Mead. I think there's 117 boats back then. Um, which to me was a big deal, you know, not over 200 boats, which is, we've gotten to 280 boats in the past. Uh, but, a uh, big deal, big responsibility. And so we, back then we weren't even using computers yet. We were still doing it on pieces, you know, uh, way cards. Yeah. Three copy way cards so that you write down the weight every day and you weigh the guys and how many fish and you tear their seat, give them one and keep one. And so national parks, whether it's Lake Mead, Lake Mojave, they, they require the uh, fish that come in dead to be filleted and, and turned into them to be determine what they do with whether it's homeless shelters or food banks or something and so uh on the second day uh of my first tournament ever uh the lady running in a bat of fish and game was waving me down to try and get me to come over to where the fish cleaning station was because we kept an ice cooler and at the end you take the cooler over you fillet the fish and our guys are responsible for filleting them although some fish and game people would also go over there and help because they wanted to check out the fish while they're filleting them. Um, I was busy at that time with a lot of responsibilities for the event, but also making sure that the boats that that had any issues from that day that were being fixed by the on-site mercury mechanic would still be fishing the next day Mm -hmm. so that I had platforms for everybody to fish so that the pairings were right. And so I was dealing with that and I was finally going to leave and she waved me down again. And so I'm like, oh, 
she wants me to fly fish. Damn it. So I drove over and she's like, you want me to cut fish? She's like, no, we're pretty much done with that, but I got two problems. And I said, that's okay. Cause I like to solve problems, <laughs> which I, which I, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Doing what I do. I solve problems and as quick and as best as possible. So first problem that she presented was we are a partner with uh, SureLife. It's a, a product that you put in your live well, a portion of it in your live well mm -hmm. that helps put slime back on the fish and helps them in the live well during that day. <clears throat> helps oxygenate the water a little bit. A lot of different benefits. I'm not a, sci a scientist. Yeah, this stuff's yeah, pretty scientific. Yeah. It helps the fish. So I guess one of the amateurs dumped the whole bottle in the live well, which suffocated the fish, and they all died. So she asked me to reiterate to people to read the instructions and use a cap of this mm -hmm. at minimum they're small caps <clears throat> but uh second problem she said it's not so easy and she reaches in her back pocket and pulls out a ziploc bag with i think there were five two ounce lead weights in them the old kind with a copper loop at each end uh -huh. where one end was cut and snelled with a hook so that when you shove it down the belly <sighs> they stay in the belly so again being my first event my stomach hit the ground, you know, because here we are on the second day of the world famous U.S. Open, national people watching. We've got a cheater. Well, the interesting thing is, is they'd already filleted the fish, and one of the biologists there said, hey, we should look to see what they're eating. So started randomly grabbing fish stomachs and found, I think, three or five stomachs. I think I can't remember. My memory's not the best. The three stomachs that had multiple weights in them. Uh, and so there are five weights total, three fish, three stomachs that contain these weights in them. So there were a few people around there that were filleting the fish, the fishing game, a couple of my guys, and another gentleman that's very well known in Nevada that if you want anybody to know anything, you tell that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I made them all promise that at least till the next day of weigh-ins were over, or at least begun, that this can't come out. I have to have the time to figure out what I'm going to do because we have a cheater in the US mm -hmm. Open and I don't know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to catch this guy. And if it gets out, the guy's going to stop, not try it the next day. So secrecy for certain till I can handle this. And mm -hmm. if I don't come out with it and you guys feel it's something you have to say, believe me, I'm going to beat you to it. Yeah. Um, so luckily like me you're 45 minutes from anywhere so it's a 45 minute drive i realized that we keep track of dead fish during the day and if there was three stomachs it must have been somebody who turned in three oh, dead fish shit. hopefully so i had the girls go through the way cards of everybody that turned in dead fish and set aside the ones that turned in two dead fish and three dead fish and at least that would narrow down the group because maybe one of the fish hadn't died until after it weighed in with mm -hmm. us or something. And so the girls pulled all the cards. There was literally only three cards of guys that turned in three dead fish and a couple that had turned in two that I included, but the three guys that did the three were my main target. Mm -hmm. One of the guys was a national touring pro, which I'd never met, but I was like, that would be odd. Uh, another guy was a guy I didn't really know real well but the third was a guy that most people know the story yeah lived in la was dominating all the bass tournaments out there and i was like ironic what if, what if it was that guy yeah so we literally folded the corner of the way cards so that when those three individuals came across we'd inspect their fish even more 
And so the first two guy came across and my bump master, John Cassidy, I think at the time, would just give me the wave off. And so finally, uh, this gentleman came up with his five fish. We presented him to the bump master. John was inspecting the fish as I was interviewing him on the, on the mic. And John gave me this look. So I kind of reached out with my hand with the mic and reached over and put my hand in the bump tank where the fish were and grabbed the first one I could feel and squeezed the stomach and feel, could feel something solid in it. And so I went back to talking to Mike and uh, pretending that nothing was going on at the time because we have live broadcasts going on. There's people in the audience watching. I got another 70 boats to weigh. Mm -hmm. uh, pretend like nothing's really going on. And so after we weigh in and I lean over and say, hey, there's some people on the side of the stage that would like to talk to you. And the fishing game was – or the National Parks were supposed to have fishing game there and the police there to kind of – inspect his fish yeah. as soon as he got off the stage and the fish the national park people god bless her soul i think she's passed away at this point she was super excited as soon as he came off the stage she grabbed the bag dumped them on the gravel ripped each one of them open and, and there were weights in them <laughs> like so, the like the dudes pretty much yes, on the musky like thing. the musky thing <laughs> and so everybody that was in front of me watching the weigh-ins now is over here and there's a group of 100 plus people being loud and oh my god what are we gonna do and meanwhile i've got 70 boats to weigh and so i, I had to <laughs> keep the show on the road yeah and, and then you know, that happened. We, it was a relief that we found the person that was doing it and the event wasn't compromised and, and you know, whatever. Is there is there a rule? Like, is that, like, so those dudes got busted with the muskie thing. Did he go to, like, did he have so to? So Nevada's, an, uh, you can't cheat. Oh, it's, it's a, a big state. deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. So the local uh, representatives there caught wind of it. They were going to follow the case. Because we didn't give him a check on stage, because we said caught him first and didn't give him the money, he didn't really steal anything. So it was a it was a touch and go thing. But oh. because he attempted to in a gambling state, they'd still went after him individually. We didn't we banned yeah. him from all of our events, you know. Which I had had a short conversation with him about this instance, and I was more concerned about him doing something even dumber. Yeah. at that point because yeah. of being caught and the exposure of it mm -hmm. and that his family needed to come first and his health. And, uh, you know, I was a brand new tournament director. Nobody really knew me. <laughs> um, back then the forums were the, the only platforms that people really chatting about and talking about. And so I think I got back to my hotel room that night after the awards and after it was announced by Harvey that we had a cheater and all, all the information came out. And I feel the worst for Clifford Perch because he won that U.S. Open that year, and the whole thing just shadowed him winning another yeah, U.S. Open right. championship. Yeah. He's the only guy that's won three other than Aaron Martins, mm -hmm. who unfortunately passed. There's guys that have won two, but currently he's the only one that's won three, and that whole thing took his steam away, if yeah. you will, and uh, felt terrible about that. But Nevada went after him. Um, I actually talked to them on and off the district attorney that was dealing with it. And, you know, after what the guy went through, his family went through, his daughter went through and, and the exposure and making a bad decision, I felt bad for him and his family. Oh, of and, course. You know, he'd suffered enough from ours. He would never fish a bass 
tournament again. Yeah. At least in California, you know, or as far anybody had heard this story would, you know, allow. And uh, talked to the district attorney and said, look, you know, there's not a whole lot more you can do to this guy. I recommend a small fine if you're going to find the guy and just let the guy off on a, on, you know, probation or something. Yeah. And they did, you know, he was fined, I think $1,500, which a lot of people thought was not enough. And, you know, look, the guy's never going to fish again. It it exposed the opportunity. It it took, made other organizations be a little more on alert Mm -hmm. with how we do our things and what to suspect and look for. You know, a lot of guys, you need metal detectors. Well, you can't detect lead (laughs) with a metal detector. Uh, you know, so yeah. you inspect the fish a little bit more. You do random inspections. You do, you know, things, lie detector tests. That, the same thing happened. Well, the Delta one I heard from the guys up north is they had a barrel. There's been barrels. Did you hear about that there's one? There's been yeah. strings. Have you had more incidents like this? I haven't had more cheating incidences oh, since that. Uh, again, like I said, I went on the forums that, that night after I found out and uh, saw how everybody was taking it. This story probably went completely all different directions. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got on the forum. I wrote a big, it must have been a 1200 word essay about what happened, the truth, how it happened, how we caught him, what we're going to do, what yeah. they're going to do. And the rest <laughs> is speculation. And everybody, even the organizations back East, people are like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. We don't talk about that stuff. We brush it under the rug. We try to keep the exposure at a minimum. Yeah. And I just came out and said, no, this is what happened, how it happened. And people were like, okay, this guy's not going to put, you know. Yeah. You're transparent. They probably respect you more for that. More transparent as I can be. And sometimes more than I should be. But (laughs) it's the way I am because I, I don't want anybody to ever be able to come back and say, you promised this and you didn't fulfill that or you over promised anything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know whether it's in your experience the payouts the prizes the you know the times the dates the weather there's only certain things i can't control the weather i can't control yeah you know and it's happened to me mother nature likes to follow me around <laughs> but it's happened to others yeah and you do the best decision you can for the majority of the anglers not yeah. a few anglers the majority of all the anglers you know and we have a lot of and we encourage new people to come fish our events. But at times when you're running an event, you're having to make the decision based on those new guys, mm-hmm. not the seasoned guys. Yeah, makes you sense. Know, you know, majority of the guys can handle certain weather conditions, but you don't know what the smaller percentage can. And losing one of those guys is not worth. And a new any guy, yeah. If you're if you're in big weather, someone might be like, "This is not for me." You know, one like- one simple mistake <laughs> can cost way too much. Yeah. And so, I mean, look at, I mean, yeah, you've seen lots of videos, but um, thanks again, Billy, for coming on this year. Billy is going to be at the toy drive. So if you guys want to talk to him or have any questions, uh, we're kind of opening up to more, a little more different vendors. And I feel like Billy and Western outdoor news has been a big support of the podcast. So I wanted to give them a booth and you guys will be able to talk to him at the event. Hopefully you could show you maybe like a model of that bait, man. The uh, Sonaga? Yeah. Yeah, the Sonaga, I, I can put it up on either Yeah, my that'd be cool. Media. Or I even bring I've, it and just put a couple. People would probably like to see that. Oh, yeah. I've got you a know? couple I can bring. Some, yeah. some older lures, some ones that I carved early yeah. on. The yeah. slab, you know, kind of some old stuff. I got a Cinco bait, the five-piece bait. Yeah. C-I-N-C-O that I had made. So, yeah, I can bring some of that yeah, cool bring stuff, some. nostalgic stuff. I got some irons that I wrapped. I don't have any punkers that I wrapped. and. Although I've seen a couple SBI wrapped punkers come yeah. up on sale, you know, here and yeah. there. 
But uh, it's been a pleasure to come on. It's yeah. been a pleasure to be in this industry and do what I love to do, not only freshwater, saltwater, but all levels. So Great. Well, I appreciate, appreciate it again, and good luck, man. Thank you. All right, take care.